This week's podcast is sponsored by Direction. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Investing with IBD podcast. It's Justin Nielsen here, your host, and joining me as he does every week, except for the last two. He had a little bit of a break, but he's back. It's Arusha Pierce, O'Neill Global Advisors Portfolio Manager. How are you doing, Arusha? Uh, I'm doing well, Justin. It's great to be back. Okay. Well, we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, it was a Fed day, December 14th, 2022, and helping us make sense of what's happened in the market not only today, but this whole year is Jim Ropel coming back to the show. Uh, one of the fan favorites and uh, Jim, great to see you. Uh, how are you doing? I'm wonderful. I'm awesome. I'm fired up about the opportunity that's staring us right in the face, hanging out with you guys, going on vacation tomorrow. How much? I'm fantastic. There you go. Oh, well, okay. Well, we'll hopefully hear a little bit more about your plans. Uh, but first, we'll take a look at the market, uh, what's been going on for the last few weeks, a lot of volatility. Uh, we'll get some lessons from Jim Ropel on 2022 uh, and what that's <laughs> entailed for us. And then a few stocks that may be on Jim's radar. So let's go ahead and start with the market. Uh, of course, uh, yesterday we had a CPI number on Tuesday. That was a little bit softer than expected. Uh, so the market cheered that at the open, then came down uh, pretty pretty much the rest of the day. And then here we have a Fed meeting, uh, 50 basis points. That was pretty much baked in, um, but you know certainly a, a little bit of a poor reaction after that initial thing. So what's your take on the market right now? Uh, are, are these headlines things that we should just be avoiding the market entirely because it's so volatile or are there opportunities still uh, in, in this in this market? Well, there are. I think there's very, very limited opportunity in growth in the way that Bill would, you know, espouse can slim. But right. I do think and call me a hypocrite because I think earnings are everything, as did Bill. There's a lesson for you. But gold and silver are coming out of these double bottom bases or in, in I'm sorry, inverted head and shoulders. They are gaining relative strength. They have no earnings. And they are, you know, a lot of low, low price names, but that's just the nature of the beast. And it's, you know, and why? Because gold does well when the dollar sweetens and the dollar's acting like the Fed is going to at some point soften their stance. And that's really, really good for emerging markets. And what kicks ass then? Caterpillar. So there's a little dream of consciousness all the way across. But I think the most relevant issue right now, and this is another bill lesson. If you look at the S&P, NASDAQ, they are at the precipice of doing either breaking down or breaking out. So the NASDAQ sitting just a few points above the, the 50 day, if that cracks that, and it, by the way, relative strength on NASDAQ is 38 in relation to S&P. Oh man. <laughs> okay, so it is absurdly weak. And what you have going on in S&P and the Dow is a counter trend rally. We're in a bear market. We've rallied right up to resistance at the 200 day and the declining uh, trend line. So we've got an extended counter trend rally in a bear market. If you're trading with the, with the long term trend, the trend is down at a major resistance point. If we take out the recent lows, I think a short is this is so contrary to Bill. I mean, shorting is really, really difficult. And the real answer is cash has been king all year. Um, but the lesson that if Bill was here, he would say max flexibility, be ready to go long if it breaks out to the upside or be ready to you know remain in cash. Or if you're of that nature to short, it could be a very good opportunity. But we're in a moment where it could go up or down significantly. So yeah. It's not wishy-washy. You know, I said this in Girl Stock Mentor. I think a lot of people go, well, you have no position. You have, and I'm like, oh, I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm a trend follower. That's not wishy-washy. It's intelligent. Bill, my mentor, who I, I wanted to say this, I owe everything to him. And I think everyone listening to this does. What Bill did for people, showing the average man how to take his IRA at 50, 100 grand and run it to the, into the millions, the, the good he did for so many people, everything I, I, I learned, everything from him. And I, I, 
I was so dedicated to doing it. Over 30 years, I went to see him live between one and three times a year. Mm-hmm. Do the math on how many times I've seen him live. I mean, I was going when he didn't even charge. And then when he would charge whatever the big one was, thousands, of, I, I would keep going to those mm-hmm. um, because I just learned so much. But I'm thankful to Bill. The blessings I'm discussing with you are, I'm a knockoff artist. Why invent anything? If anybody listening could achieve 20% of the success of Bill, you are golden, baby. <laughs> so, Jim, now, so did you adapt to, to this market where, because obviously growth stocks haven't been working, but have you bought a little bit of gold, a little bit of silver, and, and things like that, maybe some ETF just to try to participate a little bit in the in the rally? Well, let's not forget, I mean, energy, even though it hasn't been great lately, it's still up. I mean, some of these energy areas, oil and gas areas are for the year still up like 50% or more. Yeah. I adapted this year by really being 80, 90, 100% in cash all most of the year. I mean, a couple times I took it out maybe like 20, 30% when we had a couple of those crazy high volume, five, six, 7% up moves. Mm-hmm. I felt I had to commit a little bit right. to that. Right. But subsequently, I've unwound almost all of that. And I am long GLD. I'm long SLV. I'm long a little bit of GFI. Um, yeah, I'm in the, I'm in that trade, and I see I see a very bright moment coming, and the dollar is signaling it. The dollar is not pegged to Fed funds. The dollar can go wherever it wants, like intermediate term bonds and long. The thirty year is like eighty basis points below short rates. Okay, mm-hmm. ten the ten year is slightly below. You know, the, the bond market a year ago was signaling the Fed was crazy loose. All right. The, the bond market was way above Fed funds, way above. And now it's not it's basically a parity on the intermediate term of the curve. But the fact that it's it's there is and the dollar is telling you, you know, things are look, we're right around the corner. We're how long into a bear? The Fed, the, the, the advanced decline line peaked like almost two years ago. The top yeah, of February 2021, is, basically. Yeah. yeah. Can Slim has been brutal. Let me back up. I think Can Slim always works. Sometimes it'll make you a fortune and sometimes it'll keep you safe. Mm-hmm. So it, even if you're not making money, that doesn't mean it doesn't work. It does work. It's saving your butt. <laughs> right. So, you know, let's get back to this, uh, this, this gold and dollar and everything like that in emerging markets um because you know as, as you said you know if if the dollar is going down as it is but you also mentioned the yield curve so what a lot of people have been looking at with the yield curve is this inversion right and the fears of recession now you know we haven't quite seen it yet because employment has been so um so robust right the, the the labor market has been so robust that even when there was a little bit of faltering in gdp it's like is this really a recession so uh, between between all of those things kind of walk us through it because i mean macro is not my strong part so, uh, so what what should we be looking at here with the with the yield inversion the recession fears the weakening dollar after a really big rally how do we make sense of all this I, I think this is, look, soft landings are like 5% probabilities. But what if the labor market stays really, really strong and the Fed can't break it? So then we have no deep recession with a little higher inflation than we'd like and a super strong labor market. Look, at explain to me how DR Horton, DHI, I'm not, I wouldn't buy this. I hate, I hate bottom bases. I hate overhead supply. But explain to me how DHI is in an uptrend. Yeah, it's if amazing. you told me a year ago, mortgages are going to go from two to seven percent, I'd say these things are dead, dead, and right. it's in an uptrend. At seven percent, it's rallying. The housing market is not; it's contrary. Um, and you know, in the end, I met with a gentleman yesterday, seventy-one years old, longtime trader, legend. I don't want to mention his name because I didn't ask his permission, but he said. It's simple. Forget macro. It's price and volume. Yeah, that's the end of it. it the trend, the the direction, and the and the power of that direction, coupled with the amount of leaders that are emerging, what what do you need to know macro for? If macro looks like hell, and the 
the analysts go or you know estimates go from a negative six percent gdp next year to negative or estimates go down from six percent they go down to twenty percent if the market turns up who cares it's the price the market sometimes it leads sometimes it lags but if and here's another thing i i love macro i i love it it's so interesting to me geopolitics rocks my world but if you follow it it's so negative all the time it's like schleprock you know with the cloud over his head there's so much strife and ugliness and corruption in the world and wars and despots and bad guys if you focus on that you're gonna it's gonna warp you it's like following politics because if you look at politicians i think they're all helping themselves and hurting us and it it for actually for a long period of time it influenced my trading and i find that i have to knock that out so just follow the trend do all that stuff you said justin and as soon as you said it i i bit the hook i jumped on it but in the end it's the trend i'm contradicting myself i pay i love that stuff but it leads me astray the trend doesn't yeah no it's well, funny because that, that was that was going to be my exact question to you jim well, because I, I've I've been studying more macro in, in the past year, and while it's very interesting, it has added more noise and clouded <laughs> right. my judgment. It's amazing. the The facts are we've had a falter day, right? We had a, we had a falter day in October. We had an additional falter day a little bit later on, and the market the market is continued to slowly trend up. It's not a super strong rally. A lot of growth stocks haven't worked, but there have been some. And really, over the last six weeks or so, you wanted to lean more bullish because there's going to be one of these times where everything looks so bad. And if you don't take those falter days seriously enough, you're definitely going to miss out on the next rally. It's a slog. The trend is short and intermediate term up, more so on the S&P and NASDAQ, uh, Dow. Yep. But the problem is... The one component I said is the breakouts. Now, yeah, I, you literally have to buy 15 or almost 20 of them to get a Rambus or a, a Sanmina or an yeah. Elf. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not willing to grind myself into oblivion, you know. And he, he, here's a lesson. I just I'm I'm changing the subject on you. This is such a strong bill lesson. And here's the here's the lesson for the year. You said, what's the lesson for the year? People got sloppy. And I don't yeah. know if it's because Bill doesn't address us publicly anymore, but I see all these people on Twitter putting up these charts on MarketSmith. So as they're espousing Cancelim and the criteria, Bill would Bill would would tear these guys up. <laughs> Three quarters of accelerating earnings within 15% of the high, with a comp rating over 90 and RS in the 90s. That eliminates 99% of all stocks. It's true. And people yeah. are putting up this crap. No earnings, crappy little tiny market cap, no liquidity. If you just had those three variables, you were going to find every single leader. Every single leader, that's a lie. There's, It's not a lie. It's a misnomer. There are a lot of big movers that have no earnings, but they're volatile. They jump all over the place. And if you look at what Bill O'Neill did in the internet boom, he hated no earnings. What was he in? AOL, eBay, and Schwab. And what were the big monsters? He's always, why was Bill O'Neill always? I would talk to him, he'd call me up, I'd call him, whatever. And we would discuss what he had and what I had. And every single time he had the leader, the, why? Because he didn't deviate from those criteria. Everyone out there got sloppy in 21, 22, and people have paid the price. How about well, that? So let's kind of let's kind of bring it back and uh, put a little bow on the market component here before we get into more of these lessons. Um, you know, long term downtrend, obviously uh, short term. You know, we've had the follow through day, but there's been a lot of volatility. And I, and I mean, just to your point, look, some of these headlines, I mean, you could have given them to me the day before and I still would have messed it up because. The, the the price does something completely different than what you would expect sometimes with the headline or the, the volatility. Um, it, it, and, and to your earlier point about how it's it's kind of been in this trading range and it's it's either going to break one way or the other, right? So um, what, what do you do to kind of prepare for that? Okay, I talk about this in my growth stock mentor every time. 
the time to be prepared or to find the leaders is not when they start rocking. You need to be in the game all the time. You take your eye off this thing for three or four days and the environment could change dramatically in four days. Mm -hmm. Your buy list, you've got to have it fresh all the time. I have some names for you. Are we going to do an intermission? Or well, no? we'll, we'll, yeah, yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll do that in the third I'll segment. Later. So but, don't yeah. give everything away in the first segment. <laughs> I don't care. I'm for transparent, man. I'm kidding, um, I'm kidding. The time to be prepared is right now. Do and I this didn't it shocked me. I used to watch the subscription numbers, uh, circulation on the cover of the paper, every bear right. market, down, 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 down. Oh, yeah. We're giving up, yes. but at the top of the market is when it explodes. Yes. And that's yeah. the wrong, that's all backwards. And I was a retail broker. Most people lost money in the market because back in the day when there were stock brokers, which is what I was. So the, a broker would blow out and give up and he'd go sell insurance or something and they would pass his book out to all the other remaining brokers. And I'd look at the, the positions and trades. I'm like, these guys are, they're blown out because they're just doing all the wrong things. They're piling in at the top. They're puking at the bottom. Mm -hmm. That's just the human condition. And that's why Spill's yep. method, CanSlim, is so profoundly successful. It's counterintuitive. All right. I mean, just raise your hand. How many people only buy new highs? exclusively you just eliminated 99 percent of the public true. so yeah. therefore they're going to miss all the big monsters nobody will buy a gap up of a stock that goes up 15 20 percent in a day at just in the beginning of a new bull they just won't do it and if they do because they've been taking losses through the whole bear they'll sell that monster that's about to go up like ascend ascend went up almost four thousand percent in 105 weeks you know how many people sold that thing up 20%? Yeah, oh, right. Probably. And they took really. losses all the way. Mm -hmm. And so they finally get a winner in the beginning of a new bull. And what do they do? They, they, If they were so fortunate and had the courage to buy the monster gap up, they're like, uh, it's the biggest winner I've had in two years. Sell. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. So we're going to go ahead and take a break right now. And then we're going to get into more of these lessons. You know, how to recognize those leaders uh, when they do eventually appear again. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Trading Apple? Sometimes you get the bear. Sometimes it gets you. Single stock daily leveraged and inverse ETFs from Direction. Before investing, carefully consider a fund's objectives, risk, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus at Direction.com. Read carefully. Okay, welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast. It's Justin Nielsen here, your host, and joining me as he does every week is Arusha Pierce, O'Neill Global Advisors Portfolio Manager and to wrap up the year, we've got Jim Ropel, founder of Ropel Capital Management. And at the break, Jim said he's got some fire. He's got some fire ready to, to shoot out. Uh, so, Jim, let's talk a little bit about, again, lessons we can learn from 2022 as we wrap this year up. Um, you, you, you were talking about how people got sloppy. And, and this, this market was not forgiving. I mean, it was not like, you know, the late 90s where... You know, look, if you if you bought extended, oh, who cares? It's just going to go up more. Um, you know, the same thing happened in 2020. So talk a little bit about the importance, I guess, of discipline and keeping those rules, even when things are good and especially when they're bad. OK, so. This year, the lesson. That almost everyone forgot is that stocks and bear markets can go down so much farther than anyone expects. I mean, look at this, Affirm and Peloton and Zoom and all these names. You know, people are, there's gonna be tax loss selling coming into the, this end of the year. And also I'd like to briefly talk about year the year end, the next couple of weeks. But look, before that, the lesson is prices can fall so much farther than people think. But let's talk about getting it right. The anatomy of a true market leader is between five and seven beat and raise quarters, which is earnings acceleration. If you get into a stock that is gonna, after you buy it, have five to seven beat and raise quarters, I'll show you what's possible with that. This is out of the paper from 15 years ago or more maybe, but I'll just give you a couple really quick. CMGI up 8,729% in 105 weeks, Yahoo, 
up 7,449% in 130 weeks. Amazon, up 3,800%, 70 weeks. SDLI, 3665% in 66 weeks. RF micro devices, 3,424%, 72 weeks. And there's a list of about 12 or 15 of these. I found it last night in my I have massive files of all the valuable stuff in the paper. It totally corroborates my 98 week true market leader run cycle. Mm-hmm. If you're not sitting, and that's another thing. Why do so many people fail in the market? I discussed it. They let their let they 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 get take all these losers, 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 and then they sell their monster winner. If right. you're not gonna sit through four, five, six, seven beaten race quarters, you're missing all the monsters. If you sell before every earnings release in a bull market, you can't get the monster gap ups. The 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 anatomy of a true market leader is an earnings surprise which changes everyone's valuation and estimates and the stock's got to adapt and move. And there's the cockroach theory. You're in college, you're looking at these crappy apartments and you see one cockroach come out from under the counter. There's 20 more under that counter. One blowout earnings surprise, they're rarely one. I mean, if you have all the other variables, pre-tax, after-tax, ROE, all over 20% and all the, everything in the right sector, you're gonna very, very likely going to have a string of these things. And so I'll just tell you, the other names that I didn't mention were QLogic, Emulex, Qualcomm, Verisign, Solera Genomics, JDS Uniphase, and Applied Microcircuits. The weakest of those was up 2,005% in 72 weeks. That was Applied Microcircuits. Wow. You know what? How many of these names are even around anymore? They're dead. <laughs> They're yeah. gone. They, there's a few, yep. but several of them are, are gone. The names that we saw lead... The FANG names, Apple, Tesla, all this, you know, with Amazon, they can't, not only can they, statistically, historical statistics will tell you they're not coming back. Or if they do, it'll be 10 or 15 years. And I did another study. The statistical probability of a TML in the next cycle becoming another TML, not in the next cycle, but at any time in a lifetime is 2.4%. So if you're buying past cycles leader, you have a 98% chance of being wrong. And so, you know, these are all Bill's rules. These are basic things. But what are people doing? They're they're talking about, I was on this call the other day, and everybody wants to talk about Datadog and Tesla. Tesla has relative strength of 11. So, Jim, actually, let, let's talk a little bit more about Tesla, right? Because I, I te- Tesla's the poster child for, for the, the COVID a bull market, right? I mean, probably the biggest beneficiary. And it, it hung around there for a while. It was hanging in there. It's probably hanging in there better than most of the large cap tech stocks. But now it's starting to crack. And, you know, there comes a point where you just have to say, look, something's wrong with the stock. I'm losing money. I need to lighten up or get out of the stock. I don't, I, I, I agree with a lot of what you said, but you said mm-hmm. it's starting to crack. And that's not true. This thing yeah. rolled over. Right. It started, it, dude, it started living below the 200 day. Look at the price when it right. was, li- right, right. I can't see your charts. They're so tiny on my screen, but what's the price of it right there? Right here? Yeah. Well, uh, right there, it was uh, 290. Okay. And it's, now it's at 156, right? Yeah. It's okay. So if you it's just said- 61% off, it's high right now. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is a, a Paul Tudor Jones rule. Below the 200 is a no go zone. I call the 50 day moving average. The guardrail. Yeah. If it's below the 50, now I'm not talking about a, a glancing blow. That's a subtlety, and it might go below it, above and below for three, four, five percent. But a Friday close below the 50 by more than five percent, especially if there's heavy volume involved, I'm I'm usually out. Yeah. If you would now, just... now uh, Jim, uh, just just to clarify, I, I didn't want to. Uh state the obvious that it has been struggling for a while because i didn't want to upset too many of our listeners upset them they got to learn that's what bear markets do they teach people trying to coddle them a little bit (laughs) would bill coddle anybody no bill Bill would not no 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 no, no. well then why would you teach anything but what bill said shame on you (laughs) (laughs) take him out to the woodshed (laughs) bill was nice to me because i was a paying customer but he'd call and I'd go, oh, I'm in X. And I could just hear him go, ah. I mean, he wouldn't go. He wouldn't tear me up like some legendary stories that I've heard. 
but mm-hmm. he, I could tell he was unpleased, displeased with me. So mm-hmm. anyway, people got to learn. You're just going to lose money if you're not adhering to these basic tenets and principles. It's in the book, but it's counterintuitive to psychology. People don't want people want to do it their way. Nobody. Ah, rambling. No, no. I mean, <laughs> no. I mean, that, that's because it has been struggling for a long time. It has been pretty obvious. It gave tons of cell signals. Uh, I mean, it's a it, it is a classic case study to go back and see how many cell signals it's given over the last six, seven months. Um, so, yeah, you, you're right where you have to learn this. And I think everyone you, that part of the learning process, especially if you're newer to this, you ha- you're going to get caught in a bear market. You're going to give back a ton. Now the decision is and everyone's kind of looking at the abyss at that one point. Are you going to learn from it or are you going to put your head in the sand? Right. Most and just say, oh, it's a, it's a market. Most people will not learn and they'll go. There was a stack that came public like in the early nineties and it was called Wonderware. And it kind of rolled over after the IPO and I'm like, this thing's done. It's toast. And my customer goes, but it's Wonderware. I'm like, Wonderware, Schmunderware. It's below the 50, bro. I mean, it's, it's, but it's Tesla, but it's Enron. Enron was on the cover of like fortune, I think right before the top it's worldcom right you mm-hmm. can't sell that you know that's those things are gonzo yeah. the rules living below the 50 that's a get out signal yeah for the mo- if you're an intermediate term trend trader now if you're a really long term trend trader i think the 200 is it's far too long to wait if you yeah. wait that long but or there's like the death cross some people wait for the 10 week line to cross below the 40 week line. And it's like, how much do you have to give up for that to happen? Once a stock is, I used to say 20% off the high. It, it's too, it's getting into the too much. So now I think it's around, in my opinion, around 23% off the high or meaningfully below the 50 day. Those two things are, if you just follow those right there, you, you would catch the bulk. It's astounding. How many companies with triple digit sales and earnings will not break the 50 until it's over? Mm-hmm. You know, so the tes- Tesla right now is 39% below the 200 day. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty deep. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about, okay, that's on the defense side. And, and I absolutely agree with you. The, the, the 50 day is, is such a good guardrail. You can give it a little bit of room there, um, but you don't want to do too much room below there. It, it's such a great early warning signal. And by the way, uh, Jim, I also do have to just comment real quick that your exasperated sigh sounded so much like Bill to me. So you're, you're, you're following in his footsteps in more ways uh, than, than just uh, the lessons. The exasperated sigh sounded very, very familiar to me. That is an honor that should not be bestowed upon me. I am, yeah. I'm but, striving to be half as good as Bill. That would be just the exasperated fine. sigh down. <sighs> you know, so, um, let's talk about on the plus side. Okay, so we've, we've got We've got a lot of stocks that have been looking interesting, you know, whether it's, you know, the the end phases of the world and and, and, and things like that. Um, but we've got this market that has not been cooperating. So how how aggressive do you get? Let's talk position size. You never know when that market's going to turn, but you're seeing some of these that look decent. So what do you do position size to start or do you just say, look, I'm going to wait until it's really obvious and the market has really shown it's it's truly turned instead of this slopping back and forth? This is such a big, big, critically important topic. If you wait until it's completely obvious, you're probably about to have the general market go into a, a tiny, di- tiny digestion, which will shake you out of everything, and you're probably buying extended. And this is a cr- critical bill issue. I would talk about with Bill that he didn't really talk too much about in public, but when to step on the accelerator, like when to really ramp it up. In this market, the amount of stocks that are being faded, end phase, I mean, just you go down the list. I mean, the volatility, the failing breakouts or the soft, weak breakouts with no follow through is a major signal. So how much? If Bill would trade 100 lots, Bill O'Neill would test with 100 lots all the time. 
and he's running greatly more money. Probably some of the fund managers that are listening to this, Bill had more money in his personal account than they have in their fund. And if he, he's trading 100 lots, trade 100 lots until you get real traction. And, you, you know, like, how about this? It is, if you look at the new highs, every new bull market witnesses an explosion in them. They just, it's impossible to have a big turn in a market without raging new highs. We're nowhere near the 10 week moving average of new highs, new lows. Not only has the new highs not exceeded new lows in the whole bear, the yeah. new lows are expanding right now. Yeah. We can't, it, you've got to have when to put the hammer down is when your hundred lots are working, you have corroboration and breadth of leaders, which we have nothing like that. You have to, like I said, you have to buy 10, 15, maybe even 20 breakouts to catch one good one. That's not the environment. And that's no, this is time for the breaks, not the accelerator. It, it's too difficult. It's too grunt. It's emotionally painful. That burns your capital, your mental capital. So when the real move comes up, occurs, you may be paralyzed at that moment. You can't suffer the damage in the bad period and expect to be in good mental condition when the turn comes. And it's going to come. All those names I, I listed are just from one cycle. We're going to have this technological innovation. And this is a conversation I have with people. And I'm like, do you think the ramping technological innovation could compensate for the lack of Fed accelerant on the market and we could still have a pretty significant bull rally in the next phase beyond the uncoiling of the spring. In Grill Stock Mentor, I have this spring that's crushed down and I put a couple of them in every issue because right now we're compressing that spring and it's going to uncoil. And Okay, tangent. How can you beat the market if you don't have earnings accelerating faster than the market? Mm -hmm. Earnings acceleration, earnings surprise, earnings beat and raise is the anatomy of a true market leader. It's a major component of it. Right. And, you know, before we get too far, I want to just uh, real quick, because Arusha had in the background, he had some charts up showing your point. And I wanted to make sure that for those that are watching this video, which is available at investors.com slash podcast, uh, that they're they're kind of just aware of this. Uh, so two places you can go to, um, if you're wanting to look at the New York Stock Exchange, you can type in NYEXG, um, and we can pull that chart up. Uh, Arusha's got it ready. Uh, so yeah, you can see that the um, what, what you're looking at here on the bottom is the 10-day moving average of the new highs, uh, which is the blue line, and the new lows, which is the pink line, which has been dominating <laughs> the, the blue line for, uh, as you said, the entire year, you, you can see a couple areas where there was uh, a threat of a crossover, like right around uh, the end of March um, in, in June, and then, you know, a little bit in August and then more recently. But the, the new high is just that average hasn't gotten any traction. Um, and for those that are in markets, pull up the NASDAQ. Yeah. If you want to pull up the NASDAQ, that's NASDQ. Yeah. The, obviously, the NASDAQ's been the weaker of the two indexes this right. whole year and so with the new highs new lows and, and Jim, look what it's I, doing I right now see it. yeah, yeah it's, you it's can just kind of see it starting to peak yeah. up a little bit the, the new lows all right i'm gonna out my buddy charles harris you ready yeah he considers this to be one mm -hmm. of the most important features on wanda we wanda has a very similar version of this he's right. probably going to be pissed off at me that i gave the golden secret away but this page he i mean and if you look in the overbought oversold oscillator when it got down, that was the lowest reading in the history of that since it's been kept on Wanda. Yeah, in January, right over here, it was yeah. the lowest. They, yeah, he went back like 30 plus years or however long, which I was, my, my mind was blown at that time. When, that when that gives you that. an idea of the severity of yeah. this bear. The indexes are still masking the damage to growth. This has been, in some respects, it's not as bad as the 2000 bubble or the 0809, but it smacks of it. It mm -hmm. has that t in growth land, we're getting there. And, yeah. you know, you know what follows those? This. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So, well, so well, one thing just with that overhaul, uh, overbought, oversold, you know, a, one thing that a, a lot of, especially newer traders will make is they'll say, oh my gosh, this is the most extreme level ever on, on this, on this indicator. It must be the bottom of the market, right? As a, where, where, but the problem is, is oscillators that become oversold when you're in a really bad market, they can stay oversold and it's actually a negative. It's not necessarily a positive as we've seen this here. And, and you know, sentiment, people are talking. They have been talking bear for a very long time. The, yeah. the investor intelligence uh, sentiment readings have mm -hmm. been very, very negative and we've continued to go down. Now what we're starting to finally see is outflows. Lipper is showing, I think three or four of the last five weeks outflows. Oh, now what I, it's my bad. I am unfamiliar with the magnitude of the outflows. And if we're at historic levels of significant outflows, outflows that, and we can have outflows for a great period of time. Okay. But here's the thing. Until I see the VIX, the put to call, the, these things are acting like we're like, there's no bear market. The put to call, I've seen the put to call at 2.6, 2.8 before the VIX. We haven't seen crazy, crazy high volume index capitulation. And I'll tell you, if anybody subscribes to Lowry's, I got to give them a massive shout out. And I, it's too technical to go into, but they have these internal buying and selling power indicators. And they're like, this rally is exhausted. And it, it, the, the, the rally has been on lower and lower power and the selling pressure is rising. We're at the downtrend line, the 200 day. I know we could break out to the upside and we really should just follow trend. But where's the leadership? Where's the power? Where's the capitulation? And like you said, we got on this with sentiment and extreme. We could stay extreme into the middle of into the early part of summer or whatever. I prognostication at some point next year, we are going to have a massive opportunity. And if you're all in cash, and I stress this in, in GSM, I talk about this a lot. If you're all in cash right now, you have very limited risk. Stay in the game, keep focused. And when things start to get traction, Get ready to hit that accelerator because it's coming. We're we're way past. It's my assessment. We are at least at a minimum over halfway through. If this is going to turn out to be a historically bad, bad market, we're over halfway already. Yeah. And if you're in cash, how much more can you get hurt? Right. And, and one of the indicators for us, I mean, we're looking sentiment. And, and of course, these are all secondary indicators. But one of the really key indicators for us, in addition to the fall through day, is powerful breakouts that are actually getting traction. And you'll yeah. see tons of them. All of a sudden, you become the, the kid in the candy store, right? Like, where did all these bases come from? Where did all these breakouts come from? Now I have a bigger problem of which stocks do I buy because there's so many stocks going. I call it stock envy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, I, I, and, and you, and when like Arusha, exactly what Arusha said, in the moment, either the week before the follow-through day and then the three, four, five weeks thereafter, they just come out in mass. And you're like, Ooh, I didn't get the research done on this one because I was completely unaware of it. And I want to talk yeah. about two that very few people are aware of right now. There, It's not going to be Apple. It's not going to be Amazon and Tesla and all that stuff. It's going to be new names that are super under-owned because no one knows them yet. There's going to be a whole plethora of new darlings that are going to come out. We haven't yeah. seen that. And, you know, when they come out, it's like I just try to buy as many as possible with as much as I have. And then do the research because they're going to come out with such force power. Now, you still have to have all the key variables. OK, as long as you have all those key variables and you don't quite know the fundamental story, I believe I can buy them pretty, pretty big, then do the research and then eliminate the ones that I don't believe in the fundamental story and just get down to that exclusive list. And those are the ones that are going to do 4000 percent. And, you know. You just don't have to get for it. What if you only catch a 200 in my life? I think some of the biggest gainers I've ever had outside of crypto were 300% and I caught the whole move. What's the value of 20% of your whole account in a stock that goes up 200, 300%? Yeah. You only have to catch one of those a year. It's life changing. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So exclusivity. Bill like was that. looking at five stocks and he probably only had big money in two. Right. And, you know, to your point earlier, a lot of times, okay, you're, you're maybe doing some buying, 
you know, maybe maybe you don't have all your research uh, lined up in a row, but there is also that market feedback mechanism of, oh, the market kind of tells you, hey, these are the ones that are working and these are the ones that aren't. So I would see Bill do that all the time where all of a sudden money's shifting from some of the stocks that aren't working and it's shifting to the ones that are. And, you know, he, he referred to that so many times as, you know, weeding the garden, right? You, you, you pull out your weeds, you water your flowers, you don't do it the other way around. Uh, so, okay, before we, uh, before we end this segment, you uh, kind of tease it up, so I don't want to end without, without it. You were talking about some of the year-end stuff. Uh, you were talking about, you know, maybe some tax loss harvesting that might be going on year-end. Um, you wanted to, to kind of make sure that you chatted a little bit about this um, next few weeks that are happening uh, at, at the end of the year here. All right. I thought you were going to tease the contest you're having on who's got the most popular. Yeah, no, that's, 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 that's the third that's segment. Right. This but, is the okay. second segment. That's the third segment. I'll do the seasonality, but I want to tell you that all those statistics I read off about the true market leaders, I'm going to post that up on Twitter because I can't show it to you on screen. You can get it at, at Upticken. Okay. At U-P-T-I-C-K-E-N. With that said, so I did, I wanted to not forget that. Okay. I thought today's volume was going to run really, really high because of the Fed, and it wasn't that high. Between today and Christmas, I expect volume, barring some major international news event, to the liquidity will come out of the market all the way to Christmas. The statistical probability history says that when the S&P is down more than 17.5% coming into December, it's one of the worst months of the year. And the liquidity is going to dry up, and what gets worse and I, because I run a hedge fund and I get incentive, I get paid twice a year. My year bonus check, I've watched erode radically between Christmas Day and New Year's Eve. I, I don't understand the phenomena. So if you're buying a stock today, you're now going to sit through seven, eight, nine, ten 10 days of liquidity drying up. And then the worst week of the year. I don't know why. I'm just telling you, if you buy a stock today, that's what's staring you right in the face. That's so there's my call for the end of the year, sideways to mucky down. Mm -hmm. Mucky, okay. technical term. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, we'll take a break right now. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some of these stocks that may be the newer merchandise that could be our future leaders. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Trading Tesla, sometimes you get the bear. Sometimes it gets you. Single stock daily leverage and inverse ETFs from Directions. Before investing, carefully consider a fund's objectives, risk, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus at Direction.com. Read carefully. Okay, welcome back to the Investing with IBD podcast. It's Justin Nielsen, your host, and joining me as always is Arusha Pires. He's a portfolio manager at O'Neill Global Advisors. And then we also have Jim Ropel, founder of Ropel Capital Management, long-term follower of Bill O'Neill, the founder of Investors Business Daily, and uh, one of the clients that was getting kind of one-on-one attention. And from all of that, years and years of uh, mentorship from Bill, uh, he's got a couple stocks uh, that he's going to share with us. So first disclosure, you know, these might not be ready right now, but uh, what is it about these stocks that are kind of catching your attention, Jim? I saw Bill one time and he threw up a chart of eBay. And of the 30 or 40 variables on a data graph, eBay embodied nearly every positive characteristic. So if you just take that simple template that Bill created. What, what, was that the chart with 70 different things marked up? 66. Yeah. 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 Okay, I said 30, 40. But I mean, eBay yeah. had them all. It had almost all of them. I mean, you can't have perfect 60 or 40, whatever. But let's look at SMCI, please. Mm -hmm. All right. It's so simple. What's the comp rating? 99. Why is it 99? Because it's just, look at the return on equity. I don't know if you have it in a bar, but it, it's gone from 15% to 24.7 in the last two years. Estimates for this year are 80% growth. Last quarter, they beat by 34%. It has three quarters, four, five quarters of accelerating earnings. 5% growth, 40, 210, 223, to 490 with a 34.6% beat sales growth, negative five, 16% plus, 19%, 35%, 41%, 51%, 53 percent 59%, relative strength 99, up to down volume 1.4, group strength 41, accumulation distribution A. Now, 
the one flaw, and it's not a grave flaw, but it, I don't ever want to be more than 5% of the daily trading volume in anything because I don't want to be stuck. But if you're running your own account and you want to buy, you know, a retail size position, the market cap is only $5 billion. So it is still young. And, and by the way, how many people had heard of super microcomputer a year ago? Right. And I, I would say that most people, unless you're really dialed into Cansom, you don't know the name now. The sweet spot, another anatomy of a TML is to catch a low end, a high end small cap or a low end mid cap and live with it, deal with it into lower big cap. That is, you just take this massive chunk out of this thing. And I think this, if Bill was communicating with the public, I would think he would say, look, it's not ready now, it's extended. It's tipped its hand, but you can't buy it here. The market's too choppy. This is not in a good buy zone right now, but in the, in the next up cycle, when it gets good, this may be a go-to. Let's look at one more. Um, oh, before we go there, I, I want to ask you real quick. Uh, the, the, the estimates are looking phenomenal for 2023, you know, and this is a, a June ending fiscal year. So, um, you know, it, it's fiscal year is going to end at, at kind of the halfway mark. The estimates going forward from that, we, we see negative 12. How far out are you looking on estimates? And does that does that bother you? It does and it doesn't. Zach's showed that even though the estimates are big and known, they still become can become super performers. Mm -hmm. But let's look at who's making these estimates. People who are like, they're living to save their job. So if they are wrong, to the upside, they're fired. That's why we have beaten race. Very few, if an analyst says we think they're gonna, if he mentally believes he's done the research that he thinks they're gonna earn a dollar, he's like 90 cents. Mm -hmm. They they wanna keep their job. So let's look at what the incentive is for these people creating these numbers. Now, we have the cockroach theory. They beat by 34.6% last quarter. I think there's gonna be more cockroaches. Um, so yeah, it. It's not ideal. Maybe that's the one flaw, but with all these other variables, the market is telling us it like, oh, look at a weekly, please. Are you looking at it now? We're, we're, we're on yeah. weekly. Look at the wall of blue and the volume bars. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Like the And you also see that average volume line has been yeah, up. moving up higher. So this thing's been under accumulation since December 21 quarter, big accumulation, mm -hmm. and it's been a bear market. You know, yeah. oh, we got to throw Mobileye in here. Yeah. I'm totally going off off script. <laughs> oh, we, we, we know better than to have a script when you're on, Jim. Well, well, <laughs> before before we go to Mobileye, I just switched it over there. But with, with the super micro, when you're rattling all, off those numbers, those huge earnings, huge sales, acceleration, really just ask yourself the question, how many stocks have that characteristics right now? I mean, in, in any normal kind of bull market, it's it's small. But now... It's super rare really to see hard to find. any company doing that. It's it's crazy small. And I, look, those volume bars, there's walls of blue, which would be repetitive week after week after week of blue up volume. You know, Bill had a rule, at least he told me, if you're in a bull market and you have five weeks or more up right. in a row, it's an automatic buy. I don't want to say extended, but I have done that. I mean, rules are there for a reason and special occasions like when your kid wants to sleep over on a weekday and it's a school night once a year, I don't make exceptions very easily that I'm a rules in, in this part of my life. I am a big rules follower in the rest of my life. I, I don't follow many rules, but there are times when you can amend a rule, but that's experience. And that's why I say, when you kind of get into this, your first couple of years, if you're just not losing money and you're learning, you got to learn to when you can have an exception. People who are making exceptions all the time are sloppy. So anyway, I beat that up a little bit. Well, and, and going off the, the multiple weeks in a row, um, before it, this previous cup that it broke out of recently, it had seven weeks in a row, then came back in, formed the cup, and then six weeks in a row. So just accumulation left and right. It's just another one of those subtle signs of accumulation. Yeah. Big time. You want to talk a little bit about Mobileye. You're going to go on a little tangent. I so do. And here's, we'll allow it. it. It doesn't have the numbers. 
But for all practical purposes, the IPO market is closed. The only thing that's come out, this was not a spinoff from Intel. It was an IPO. They made the people pony up the cash, which is different. A spinoff is you own Intel shares, you get, you get the uh, mobilized shares for free. This was an IPO. To get a fund manager to part with his cash in a bear, it's, it's, it, it just doesn't happen. This is the only one that I'm aware of that's come out in this bear. Research departments at institutions are pretty darn good. They allowed this one. They got the deal done. And people are talking about AI, and it's the biggest thing going. But I look at, there are no AI stocks making new highs. There are none. So I don't care if it's the biggest thing in the world. How about uh, the speech recognition, AI, and somebody's talking about nuclear fusion today and how it's going to revolutionize right. the world. Well, if there are not stocks banging out the, the new high list in that sector, it just doesn't matter. I mean, maybe it'll help society. But Mobileye is kind of part of this AI thing. It's part of the autonomous driving revolution. That's really what it is. Right. So yeah. The fundamentals are fantastic. Now, a lot of times when companies go public, they do things with the balance sheets or with the, with the numbers. So I, I don't love it, but I cannot not pay attention to something coming out in a bad. This is not a garden variety bear. And it's about to get, it may get a lot worse. To get this deal out, rare, rare merchandise. Keep your eyes on it. And I think it made an all-time new high today. Allegro Microsystems. Bingo. Comp rating, 99, RS, 96, A plus, A minus accumulation distribution. <sighs> Pre-tax margins, 23.1. After-tax margins, 22.8. Earnings beat, 19.2%. Accelerating earnings growth. 40, 33, 55%. Accelerating sales growth, 13, 14, 16, 23. I mean, you know, this is a bear market. This thing is, again, it it has a $6.2 billion market cap, a little better than SMCI. And it's very extended. It, it needs a digestion. But don't be shocked if this is a significant smaller leader in the next bull cycle. I think it just it fits the template. Yep. Eight weeks in a row. Yeah, oh, the, okay. the volume of, of blue starting to increase. Look right at though. that. In <laughs> yeah, when you see the when you see the average volume line going, yeah, going almost yeah, pretty like sharp the, angle. The, yeah. the one o'clock position. Uh, that, oh. that, that's a uh, that's telling you something, huh? And you're getting a blue dot, right? The relative strength line hitting a 52 week high before the price is hitting it. So these are all kind of little uh, indicators that there's demand for the stock. Note the IPO price of $14. Mm. Nearly every single stock that has IPO'd in the last two years or more is way below the IPO price. This is double the That's IPO. That's a major That's signal. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I, I'm seeing that Arusha has on uh, the, the right-hand side, the panel, uh, he's showing the IBD mutual fund index ownership at the top. And, you know, you got Wells Fargo growth in there, uh, Federated Hermes, um, you know, so how, how much how much attention are you paying to some of these larger funds, uh, the ones that are on the IBD mutual fund index, which kind of, you know, are, are a little bit more of our style? Uh, how, how much attention do you pay to that? Arusha? You, Jim. Okay. I know what it does. <laughs> I know for a fact when Bill would drag a PM in his office and they'd discuss a stock. They often first went over institutional sponsorship. Who owns it? Who owns it? Yeah. Right. And if it's Putnam, answer. no way. <laughs> but, um, you know, in, again, on Twitter, I swear to God, I don't think I've almost never, ever heard anyone discuss institutional sponsorship and it was Bill's go-to. Yeah. I consider it very, very important. But Wanda, I have not updated the best funds in the in the fund sponsorship block so i may be looking at, at more past leaders uh, uh funds so i need to update that but it, look simple rule what should i do what would bill do that's the answer second thing it's a maxim if it's good enough for bill it's good enough for me i mean <laughs> just how about this if you guys out there if you do if for most people if you do 10 percent as well as bill pick your jet Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, biotech that you had on your radar. Uh, Halo. H A L O. Um, 
another one that has uh, maybe not maybe not eight weeks up in a row, but it definitely had the five weeks up in a row that you mentioned um, you know earlier as it came back above its 40-week moving average line and its 10-week moving average line. And it really hasn't stopped too much since then. So this is something that I really don't like about the general market right now. There's a gaggle of not golden geese, maybe they are, but there's about 15 biotechs that have a market cap between 500 million and 2 billion. They have no earnings. This has earnings. Hmm. All those others, they are minefields. They are disasters. I got to show you something. So I spent, if, can you see this? Yeah. Yeah. Senecor blows up on FDA victory. I spent about nine months building a position, cold calling all these people. And I bought Senecor, bought Senecor, bought Senecor. They go before the FDA review committee. They get a thumbs up for a drug called Centoxin to cure septicemia. 97, 98% of companies that get the FDA review committee for approval, the full FDA approves it. This one didn't. And it imploded from 60 to like four. And I spent six or nine months building this whole position. It all, it all went up in flames. Anything without earnings in biotech is subject to a bad clinical trial on, you know, deaths, the non-performance, it's not statistically significant. And they're super illiquid tiny, they're little lotto tickets. This has, it's through the process. They have the earnings right now and the market loves it. I mean, look at the RS. I mean, this is, now it's not the perfect mold like those others, but it has a comp rating 94 and it's a biotech. You know, right. it, very seldom. I saw Bill about 30 years ago on TV talking about one biotech that didn't have earnings, but this is one that does. And by the way, I own every stock we're talking about. Now, it, the size I own them in is very, yeah. so I have to disclose my positions. Uh, I like this very, very much. And there's a reason it's banging out a new high like this in a, a bad bear market. Mm-hmm. So keep your eyes on it. Oh. Um, one one other question, uh, you know, with, uh, with with a lot of these with a lot of these biotechs, um, they might have some really strong revenue, but maybe they don't have the earnings because they're putting so much more back into research and development. Um, so if if you see a big research and development number, does that kind of let you excuse maybe some of the earnings softness if, if the revenue is there approval it's just a no-go zone for me i learned my lesson i, I, <laughs> I burned nine months of my life you know and, and all these customers i'm just not doing it and oh so let's look at really quick about the market being weak look at the ibb yeah it came out very tepidly it emerged if you go to the daily i think and then it came right back in now it didn't blow up and it's trying to reinvigorate itself again, but this is a symptom of the mushy market. And you have some of these Olympic athlete stocks with cinder blocks around their ankles because the general market is not augmenting the move and the power. So, you know, group, I didn't bring, I haven't brought up group all day. Group matters big time. Now, don't confuse. A lot of times the emerging leader will drag the whole group up but the leader will come out first and then the group will follow. And it, when you we used to get the um, books, you know, with a eight gra- four graphs per page, you could see which ones were emerging. And that's why I love those chart books. The, the computer, yeah. that's one thing they don't have because it's hard to screen for emerging names. So sometimes if it has everything and it's all set up and the group rank isn't quite great, it's because the leader hasn't dragged all the other ones up yet. Right. So there's a caveat. Quick question, because you brought up IBB, and you know we're showing the chart here. Um, XBI, which is also a biotech ETF, doesn't look as strong. Now, the difference between these, XBI is a little bit more broadly uh, spaced out. You know, it, it has two percent, uh, actually less than two percent positions in a lot of different things. Whereas IBB, that one is a little bit more concentrated. The top ten holdings are in. Um, like about 50, you know, account for 50% of the ETF. Uh, and that includes Gilead, which has done pretty well lately, Amgen, Vertex, Regeneron, Moderna, uh, Biogen. Uh, so a lot of the names that have been leading the biotech area uh, are, are in IBB. So it 
it definitely looks different from XBI. So when you're when you're talking about a group move, how many uh, fellow leaders, I guess, do you need to tell you I'm in the right space? You need a few to corroborate, hopefully, the leader that you're in. And sometimes I will sacrifice the leader for liquidity because I'm generally building pretty big positions and I can't be in some of these smaller names that I'm talking to you guys about. Now, I will I will go to work on SMCI and uh, ALGM and I'll hopefully as they grow, I can and they get more liquid. I can build up. Um, but the group, you need some corroborating uh, comrades in there. Comrades? Communism? No, gotcha. some, some <laughs> amigos. You need some amigos. But look, the problem I have is Amgen. It broke below its beautiful digestion. Yeah. And I wrote in my Growth Stock Mentor last week, it's unnerving to me that if Amgen is the Mac Daddy, it's the, you know, as they say, as General Motors goes, so goes the market. As Amgen goes, so goes the biotech index unless there's something unique to them. I, I don't like that breakdown. Um, now, if it turns out to be a shakeout down to the 50 and takes off, it'll be very healthy. But I think Amgen needs to be watched very carefully. But you have Gilead in there. You have uh, GAMB. Mm -hmm. uh, Harmony's in there. Um, Halo is owned by Victory RS Partners, which is an absolute monster uh, fund. They're great managers. So institutional sponsors are there. And look, biotech and semis are really the only growth areas that have any power. And it and the power is tepid. It goes to the condition of the general market right now. It's just not, although we're in a short and maybe intermediate term uptrend, it's lethargic. It's mucky. <laughs> Here comes that mucky back. Um, yeah. And so uh, before, before we leave, uh, you mentioned Caterpillar earlier in the show. Um, Talk to us a little bit about that. I, this had to do a little bit with the macro. You know, you were talking about this whole idea of a weakening dollar being good for emerging markets. And when emerging markets go, uh, Caterpillar Caterpillar's going to be the one building them, right? So talk to us a little bit about Caterpillar and what, what looks attractive to you there. Well, you can just see on the weekly a massive cup and handle. Yeah. And it, the handle, I'm a sucker for liquidity. I'm a sucker for clear-cut pivot points. There's no debate here what that is. It's uh, I would like to see a little volume dry up, but on the weekly, you have several high closes on the up bars. You have a well-defined pattern. You have weeks in a row, wall of blue. It has earnings acceleration. For a company this size, market cap, 122 billion, sale or earnings growth, 0, 22, 48. Earnings growth, 14, 11 soft, but 21 last quarter 25 percent earnings beat estimate only eight percent but i think with that earnings beat the cockroach theory is going to jump in in a market cap like this 1.9 up to down volume that's oh, like wow. getting a yugo to go 190 miles an hour okay that is, that is revving up that turnover the acute you know the the amount of shares purchased on up days versus sold on down uh and accumulation distributions b plus you got to remember you can really get these smaller names wound up and get these fundamental or I'm sorry, technical variables to go into high levels. But when you see something like a big market liquid leader get the up to down volume at 1.9, I remember when Google first came out and I don't mean the right. first six weeks of IPO, but I think Google's up to down was 2.9. That was legendary for that much liquidity. That's rare stuff. Um, and again, if this stock, it, if I could get 40% out of it or 50, it'd be gigantic. ALGM, SMCI, those could be like some of those monster numbers we put up before. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Well, closing thoughts. Uh, before we go, I want to let people know uh, uh, that we are having a little contest. We we typically do take the last, the last week off, um, you know, between... Uh, people being on holiday and everything. So the last week off, uh, and we usually, you know, replay something. Uh, Jim, you've been replayed before uh, on that uh, in previous years. This year, we're having a little contest. So if you go to at IBD investors, uh, the Twitter handle, you can take a look. We're going to have, um, we looked at some of the 
the most watched, the things that people were most into, got the most responses from, and we limited it down to four. Jim Ropel, you're in there, along with uh, Charles Harris, uh, some of the secondary indicators that you mentioned. Um, John Boyk is in there. Um, Joe who am I? Oh, Joe Fami. Joe Fami is in there too. So th those are the top top four finalists. So if you go to that at investors uh, Twitter handle, you'll see it there. If you go to YouTube, you will also be able to put in your vote for what that uh, episode is going to be to end the year. So just kind of vote for your favorite and uh, that'll be our replay uh, for, for this year to, to cap things up. So, uh, and, and also gotta, gotta mention it to the audience here. Mm -hmm. It's Jim's birthday. Oh, that's right. It was Jim's and, birthday and so yesterday. Maybe going, maybe give him a little birthday gift by voting for Jim. <laughs> wow, way to way to put your thumb on that scale. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, maybe someone else's birthday's around this time, and then they can get a vote too. But yeah, how how much? Uh, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a little bit later off off air whether or not there was a payment plan there. Where's your I Venmo? Guess. I'll send it. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, we hope we get some participation from y'all, uh, but thanks for watching this year. And let's go ahead and have Jim kind of cap this off um, real quick before you go, Jim. All right. Regarding that contest, I already won. To be up against that competition, just to be included, massive victory. I don't care what happens. Fami, awesome. Charles Harris, legendary. And John Boyk, he's like the market historian on Twitter. That should go down as his moniker. I mean, to be in that group blows me away. I'm honored. But I, I want to tell you this. Don't get too negative. Don't think that that list of names that I gave you is not, we're going to have that happen again. When I read history in, the, in a lot of books about the market in a bear, I get so excited. I have to put the book down because I know what's coming. And here's the simple reason. We live in America. It's a one-way street. People are literally risking their lives to come here. Nowhere else, I looked it up, only 3,000 people a year roughly forsake their citizenship. Ask every Uber driver, why are you here? Freedom, opportunity for myself. It's the least corrupt country in the world. And as long as the golden goose of capitalism isn't suffocated by socialism, this virtuous cycle is going to power on. American innovation is unbelievable. What our military's done in the proxy war with Ukraine and Russia We've destroyed the second worst nemesis to us in the world with not one U.S. life being lost. Our military soldiers are trained at such an amazingly high level. There's no competition. America's the greatest. And we live here. We're so lucky. And the Golden Goose is going to birth monster, monster TMLs. Don't get too negative. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Don't get caught in the slog. Next year is going to be awesome. <laughs> well, very good. Thanks again for being here, Jim. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. And uh, also, don't forget, next week we have Tom Dorsey coming back on the show. Here's another investing legend that has so many stories, and he's going to be joined this time by uh, Ralph Acampora. So it's uh, going to be a great session. We, we hope to have a great discussion there. Hope you guys join us. And thanks a lot for watching this time around. See you next time. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.